Hello and welcome to another episode of The Punt Return, week 15 of the NFL season. It's the time of the year when there are fewer games that truly matter, but the ones that do, including last week's thrilling 49ers 48-46 to victory in the Superdome, echo for weeks and sometimes years to come. That was written by uh, Greg Rosenthal from his uh, debrief, one of the staples that I read every single week. Um, but uh, week 15 of The Punt Return, boys, James, Nick, they join me always. How are we doing, Nick? Good mate, that was game of the year by a long way. That was unbelievable. Easy, easy, easy game of the game of the year. Uh, James, do you agree? Do you echo? Oh, it was unbelievable and sort of could set the tone for future future franchise building. It was wonderful. Feels like the Saints are involved in a lot of the games of the year. I mean, early on it was their game against the Texans in Week One. That was kind of a good start to the year, and yeah, there's just the way they play. And uh, I think Scott Kazmar, the old football outsider, that tweets a lot about sort of game winning and game-winning drives and comeback victories. Poor Drew Brees, he, he's, I think he's had about 21 times now where he's put his team in front in the final two minutes and, and has lost games. Mm. Uh, I think that's now 10 more than the next the next person, which was uh, Peyton Manning. So, yeah, it's hard to it's hard to win games when, you know, you, you do everything you can, but there's always other facets involved, such as coaching, defense, special teams, etc. What's amazing, if, if that's right, that's 21 games that he's put his team in front in the last two minutes. That on its own is incredible. Let alone that those mm. games are the ones that he's lost. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and some of those are playoff games and things, and you change a few narratives. If you have three or four rings, we could be talking about Drew Brees as the greatest of all time. Absolutely. You know, it just, it's a fickle old game, this. Um, speaking of, you know, rings, the Patriots involved in another cheating scandal. Uh, I just want some quick thoughts from, from both of you. Feels like these happened happen every four years or so. Yeah, it, it's been a while, so we were due. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> yeah. James? Uh, on to Cincinnati. Okay. We're on to, we're on to Cincinnati. Yeah, well, literally they were. They were actually on to Cincinnati before. Well, Cincinnati were on to them, really. Um, no, they, they caught on. The, the, the truth is it's this unsettling. I want to... I want to believe, like we've spoken about a few times on this podcast, I want to believe the fairy tale that is the New England Patriots, that it's all about brains and hard work and diligence and all of this, but then this stuff keeps yeah. popping up. Yeah. We're talking about the Bengals. Yeah. Like what? Anyway. Mm. But when you really look at a team that's been so strong for two decades and we see so many teams crumble and fold in three or four years, it makes you wonder. It really does. It, just, when, when, it does seem crazy. If these are the things that, that they're getting caught for. Yeah, exactly. I want to read, I want to read Bill Belichick's memoirs, you know, in 20 yeah. years and no. find out what they did that they weren't yeah. caught for. He, yeah, uh, his call. will reads, burn my memoirs when I die. That's what his will will read. He doesn't care. Um, but yeah. anyway. But, but I tell you what, God, it makes some good narrative, doesn't it? Like this story pops up and yeah. it provides lots of laughs, lots of intrigue at the same time. Like it's just fantastic. Yeah, well, I was going to get uh, my uh, tinfoil hat out and, and thought maybe they uh, wanted to get caught here because I think backs to the walls here during the whole deflate gate thing, they made it about them and everyone doubted yeah. them and yeah. mm. ended up winning the Super Bowl that, that season. Um, so maybe this is the, the start. This is the rocket to sticker to to fire them up, so maybe maybe the they wanted the to get caught. Maybe, maybe. Bill Belichick's out here playing 4D checkers and every other coach is playing chess, so we'll, we'll wait and see. But uh, whatever it takes to get results, and speaking of results, week 14, uh, uh, hit and miss, hit and miss. It was a strange old week, some great games, just not great results for, for the show, but we're still well ahead, uh, and lock of the week, um, we had a scare there. Derek Henry missed two quarters, but the lock of the week still lobbed. Um, funnily enough, he had 100 plus rushing yards. He ended up on 103. 
um, which obviously meant, Nick, that uh, – oh, no, yeah, you, one of your long shots – mate, did you have a long – no, you one of your plays yeah, was 120-plus yeah. yards, wasn't it? 119-plus, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you can only imagine if he played a few more minutes, but oh know. man, if he played another few quarters and even like late in the game, the last couple of drives, they brought in Dion Lewis to close out the game. I mean, no, that's when he's you know bread and butter, where he just yeah exactly busts off ten, fifteen yard runs to close out to, to close out the game. But we had ten four and one locks of the week, um, long shots. George Kittle didn't get my hundred yards that I thought in a game that had nearly a hundred points. You think George Kittle would get a hundred yards? Um, unfortunately, he did not. But he did make the play of the game, absolute beast. So you know. I don't care about. I don't even care about that. I'm, I ain't even mad, George Kittle. I just uh, tip my hat to him. Um, and Nick, you had your long shot also was involving the Niners. Yeah, it was. I had the unders. I was pretty strong on the unders in that game. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it was time. It was that was one of the weirdest, the weirdest bets versus reality that I think I've ever been involved in because I, I, there was no way that I I envisaged yeah. that sort of scoreline. But again, you're oh, not even crazy. mad. Like you, 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 no, you lost that straight away. Yeah, you don't you don't sweat it. It's done. You just take the L and, and move on. Um, that happened a couple of years ago. We and I were big on um, Rams. 49ers unders and it was a Thursday night football game and I think it ended up yeah being around the same scoreline I think it was 47-45 or something like that and we just it was just foolish but you just can't help but laugh and James um collect your tickets mate um we kind of chatted about the Titans AFC price $41 you took last week in the 20s in the 20s uh even 17s at some places so uh that's a pretty pretty good long shot pretty good uh, futures price taking from you yeah, it's just it's that's I mean futures is 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 there to sort of pick off pick off those bigger prices and trade around them when possible and and it's now the choices for people who did take that hold or maybe sell out for some profit or it's up to you there but I guess it's mapping where Tennessee can go from here which we'll touch on a bit later and you and you and we met yeah you and I talked about it uh, last week where where they rank in the ace you could make the case that they're better than the Pats at the moment, just the way that they're playing. They're a more complete team just because their offense is firing and their defense is, has been competitive all year. The, the defense comes and plays every single week. Plus, plus that other aspect of like the Nick had touched on last week with the Ravens and their sort of susceptibility to the run, that mm-hmm. kind of matchup could could suit Tennessee as well. So uh, stranger things have happened. We're talking about that in pro sports. They're playing their best football at the right time of the year. This really yep. strong ground game. But you guys have got some great points on Tennessee later as well. So and the Chiefs, about how much the improved. Chiefs are uh, uh, really susceptible to the run as well. So the two bigger contenders, yep. Yep. that's their main weakness, is a major strength of the Titans. Plus, you know the Titans always like to beat the uh, Chiefs in playoffs. So um, back in the malarkey days, they were even doing it. So. Uh, um, it cost him his job as well. Exactly. <laughs> uh, best bets, uh, one and two uh, for me last week. Um, yeah. It's it's kind of funny. I, my numbers, like I'm sticking to them because I've been profitable all year, but I'm struggling to approach or, or get a good read on teams that are out of playoff contention. Because if you can, you can look at all those teams that are pretty much out of it, and there's just so much different levels of intensity. Like the Bron- the Broncos and Bucks are playing are really hard, whereas the Jaguars and Lions are probably not. So it's hard to weigh up motivation and all that sort of thing. So I'm finding hard to to judge that and see where I go this week. So I'm gonna take a little bit more of a careful approach in week 15 here um, and see how that pays off. But uh, since he plus eight and a half is the only lone win for me, I'm 23, 17 and two on the year. Nick, uh, I think you had a similar week. Yeah, similar one and two for, for mine as well. Miami plus five covered. Um, Baltimore Buffalo didn't quite hit the, the total. It was over 43, landed a couple short. 
And uh, Derek Henry, as we mentioned before, item 109, he landed on 103. So, yep, yeah, it's what it is. James again, the only the only winner out of out of the bunch, two zero and one. Yeah, it was it was a good week. Uh, Tennessee winning, KC winning, Tampa they pushed against Indy, but I think I also had San Francisco as well. I was keen on yeah. them against. Um, New Orleans last week, and they had to cover regardless of that result at the end when you know they hit the winning field goal. So mm. it was a good week, yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, let's talk biggest takeaways from week 14 before we jump straight into uh, week 15. So despite my poor gambling results from last week, it was a complete disaster across the board. So kind of my uh, Black Friday, I guess, or uh, maybe it was just like a bushfire in my, uh, bushfire in my books, really. Um, here up in New South Wales last week, but I'm going to take two small victory laps here. I'm never ever apologizing for the Texans. Absolute frauds. You let Drew Locke destroy you. That is embarrassing. Um, not, not, not a knock on Drew Locke, but please come on. You just beat the Pats and then you do that. It's crazy. And Seahawks overrated. Six offensive points, please. Come on. You got the potential MVP on your roster. You score six offensive points. Um, there are other, Points coming from a pick six. Um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. The Seahawks have a very fraudulent uh, record. I think uh, the San Fran, with the same record, is a much, much better team. So, um, they're my two kind of small victory laps from last week. <laughs> yeah, you, you might never apologize to the Texans, but I'm going to ask you a bit later on if there's someone else that you should be apologizing to. And Drew Locke, we'll talk about him a bit later on as well because he was very impressive in college. And James and I, we, we discussed this during the week. Um, some of the things that he's doing on on the field is not. That's surprising. It's, mm. um, Have you heard his nickname? It's similar to uh, to Nick Foles's. Is it? No. <laughs> oh, no. I, uh, big something uh, lock. W- well endowed, Drew. <laughs> no, no. Close. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. I haven't heard that. So maybe we'll talk about big that cock that <laughs> <laughs> um, My takeaways this week, the Pats. I've got a couple, but the Pats, is it over or do we still expect a, a momentous January comeback like we're accustomed to? You know, we're used to them having a bit of a slow December, pedestrian December, uh, but they generally come good in January and, and come on a, a playoff run. Uh, should we expect that this season? I'm, I'm not sure. Mm. And Baltimore, uh, so far ahead of the, the game at the moment, that they're winning one in three of Stats Insider's 10,000 simulations of the rest of the NFL season, winning the Super Bowl in one of three 10,000 simulations, which is very impressive. Uh, the Pats have dropped to fifth in overall projections, which is also massive. Yeah, the, the Ravens are at 38.5% in the uh, Football Outsiders um, mm. to win the Super Bowl as well. So, Crazy. yeah, it, it is nuts how well in front of the pack they are. But when it gets to playoffs, I mean, anything can happen. Yeah, I don't think right. the it's Pats played particularly well against the Chiefs. They just got lucky with that uh, D Ford thing last yeah, I think it comes down to, like, like we've said a few times with the Titans. I mean, so much of this is going to come down to matchups and, and yep. player matchups and, and, mm. and roster matchups that, you know, anything can happen. Yep. My takeout was, uh, San Francisco 49ers. I thought that was the definitive NFC performance of the season. Um, we've been crying out for an NFC team to separate themselves. We've often been saying, you know, what about Seattle, Green Bay or, New Orleans. This was the one. This was the performance that put them over. Winning 48-46 at the Superdome. Down 13 halfway through the second quarter as well. That, which is absolutely huge. Jimmy G answering so many questions. We saw how sort of multifaceted that attack is. It's not just the ground game, which had sort of concerned me a lot of this year with San Francisco. So they answered every, every question thrown their way. Should be able to clinch home field from here as well. Um, 
but I guess it will all come down to that week 17 matchup against Seattle to, in order to do that. But massive performance and now justifiable. So I think they're at $2.80 to win the NFC from here, and which seems reasonable to me. Um, it was a massive win. Yeah, definitely. Uh, any final thoughts, boys, before we get straight into week 15? Josh, uh, Cleveland beat Baltimore in week three. So <laughs> Seattle are allowed to have a one bad performance True. where they put and, six points up. And I'm going to ask that about the 49ers later. When's their bad, when their, when is their bad game happening? Because they've been pretty competitive in every single game they've played this year. So. Except Seattle. <laughs> yeah, but they lost that in overtime. Like, that wasn't a bad game. Like, yeah, did so I... 10 points zip. Yeah. Blown at home as well. Yeah, I but guess. Anyway. But like, where's their stink fest? You know, like, where's their double digit loss to a Browns team? You know, where is that? I mean, yeah. they were pretty bad in week one against the Bucks. I mean, Jimmy G was horrific, but their defense won them that game with Winston throwing like four pick sixes. So, well, um, Card- Card- Cardinals nearly knocked them off at home a few yeah, weeks true. ago. And just snuck out wins. Yeah. Maybe they have. Maybe they'll, be hoping, they'll be hoping that that stink fest doesn't happen in week 17. That's all. That's yeah, exactly. All oh, he won't. He won't. All as right. long as Seattle are there for it, and that's, we'll come to that yeah. later in terms of Seattle haven't got any room for error from here. Yeah. But okay. until they play the 49ers, I think their schedule's pretty easy for them. So it sets up pretty nicely. I think yeah. they play... Uh, the the Panthers this week and then Arizona next week. That's right. So it's That's not. Right. Um, so they can they can drop one of those right oh. and still be. They could drop one of them. Yeah, and, I, and I don't still... know. The Rams are hot on their tail. I just think you need to. I just think just knock off Panthers and Arizona and just secure your playoff spot. I think it's just the easiest route. Or, or knock off Carolina this week and rest all the starters against Arizona, <laughs> and 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 play. That's that's the big game of the year, the last one, because it mm-hmm. won't matter. All they need to do is win. Yeah, just win, baby. That's right. <laughs> Week 15, let's get straight into it. Thursday night football, New York Jets at the Baltimore Ravens. The line is 15 and a half here. Uh, the total is 44 and a half. Um, we just talked about how far and above the Ravens are to the rest of uh, the NFL. The 2019 Ravens are currently sitting seventh on Football Outsiders' top teams by DVOA ever through 13 games that they've tracked. So um, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Um, but the one thing the Jets have done pretty consistent, consistently well this season is stopping the run, and they haven't really been consistent at anything this season. They've been very hot and very cold. They're second in DVOA in rushing defense. Obviously, this is a completely different beast in this Ravens ground game. They they just run so differently than everyone else, so it's it's a little bit different. I wonder what the breakdown is in in the DVOA on those that have played the Ravens and those that haven't. Um, that would be an interesting breakdown. But uh, Lamar Jackson's on the on the injury report a little bit, so. Maybe we may see a more traditional ground and pound method from them. Um, Kyler Murray's had a similar injury of late, and you saw that impact his rushing a little bit, where he had a wide open run to the end zone and decided to throw it, and it got intercepted by TJ Watt rather than running it in for a touchdown. I don't know if Lamar would make those same mistakes. I, I highly doubt he would. Um, but yeah, just don't know. Fifteen and a half on a short week with Lamar on the injury report. I'd rather go the under 44.5. I think that's the way to go. The Ravens' defense has allowed just 15.1 points per game during their nine-game win streak, and opposing teams have only scored more than 20 points on them three times this season. Um, and this Jets offense averages 17.4 points per game and needed last-second field goal to grind out a win over the Dolphins. Um, if you are interested in the spread, teams favored by 14 or more points on Thursday night. Games are 9-0 and zero straight up and 7-2 and two against the spread all-time. Um, they're one and one against the spread in that situation this season. Um, so it does favor the chalk generally, but I'm going to go the under 44 and a half. Anyone agree? 
Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you on a lot of that. Um, Jets are on primetime, Thursday night football. Again. Why? Why? <laughs> Why? I mean, surely the NFL knows when they're scheduling that the Jets aren't going to be much this season. Uh, there are better games. There are better games this week that could be Thursday night football. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm not, I'm not impressed with that scheduling. Uh, Ravens will pull in viewers regardless, but yeah, the Jets aren't much to watch in prime time. They're, like you said, they're, they're saving grace all, all season has been their run defense. They've done a, a really great job stopping the best runners in the league all year. But like you said, this is a really different type of, of running offense. It's a really multifaceted unit. Uh, and, and there's really no one else like it in the NFL. The cards are, are close-ish. They're not. They're not mm. the same. That the cards uh, have fallen away of recent. Because, recent and weeks, yep. in terms of the ath- general athleticism of the, of the entire offense, is not the same. Yep. Um, and, and you know there are some limitations of what Kyler Murray can do to compared to Lamar Jackson. Uh, but you know we'll, we'll see. The, the line is massive, and, and because of that, I just have a slight lean to the Jets at, at the plus fifteen and a half. But it's it's probably a pass more realistically in my mind. But like you said, it based on Baltimore's last game against the Bills and the Jets run D and and the Jets themselves only able to put 22 on the Dolphins defense um, last week. I, I really like the unders here, like you said, and that's re- that's really the play for me, the under 44 and a half. I, I'm really strong on that. Yeah, I actually don't mind the Jets here at plus 15 and a half, and that's something I've certainly never said all year about the Jets. <laughs> um, Ravens coming off basically playing half a dozen of the league's best teams over the last couple of months. So for me, motivation might factor into this. And I know motivation's a funny thing when we're talking gambling because there's, you know, not actually empirical evidence to support it either way. However, is it, what, what, what motivation is there for the Ravens to come out and actually want to pulverize the Jets in this particular game? I'm not too sure. It's probably speaking as well to, to your guys sort of suggestion about the unders. Both teams really play at a snail's pace. Ravens are the slowest team in the competition. Um, quite, quite, quite clearly as well. And the Jets are a top 10 for, for slow pace of play as well. So I could see them as well handing it over to that running game that you guys touched on. So, Probably both the unders are in play as 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 two as a Jets cover for me. Yeah, yeah well, I think jo- Josh. I mean, we've we've spoken a, a bit later on in in segments around the, the stats insider model and how that tends to to favour some of the underdogs and and the unders and the correlations with that. I mm. think if if you like the unders here, generally the the Jets to cover is is the logical um, you know component to that. But it, like like you said, it doesn't always it doesn't always mean the same. It doesn't always work, but no. that would be a, a logical correlation if you liked one or the other that you could potentially play a double. The only, sort of yeah, market. the only thing I can see where the under could be ruined is if the if the Ravens do just come out and just pulverize That's what right. they did against the Texans and score forty something on their own, yeah. um, which could happen because they are that good that that even even with little motivation they can it's just like a hot knife through butter and they mm. just and it's the MVP in prime time Lamar Jackson just pretty much sewing that up and 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 basically getting his name engraved on that trophy with a, with a massive performance here um that could be the only thing that I could really see I mean they've got look ahead division games so I think just getting out with the wins the most important thing here like I think that's probably um what the main motiv- motivation is I don't know if they really want to like run up the score but as I said that could be really really easy for them to do that so and who knows and as good as the Jets are against the run, they also leave the back door wide open yep. um, in, in the passing game. And, and even if, you know, Hollywood Brown might only get three or four targets yeah. for the game, you only need one house. or two. Yeah. Exactly exactly yeah. right. And that, yeah. and that can change the game. It can change a line yep. in a second. Exactly. Mm. Um, and just a shout out to Lamar for wearing uh, white sleeves last week. Um, just Brilliant. Yeah, genius. Yeah. Brilliant. 
love love him. That's my MVP, baby. Uh, one of the greatest, one of the, one of the best trolls. Oh yeah, season. and it's just clever, smart, and it wasn't. Yeah, didn't need to drag anyone through mud. It was just a real simple statement, classy move. Yep. Uh, loved it. Uh, Chicago at Green Bay. Green Bay minus four and a half. The total is 41 here. Some really overrated teams with good records in the NFC, which is crazy given how stacked it is. But I just, I don't know. I just The Packers are definitely one of those for me. I, there's nothing I really see out of them that I get like super excited about. There's nothing. They've just been terribly consistent on offense like all season. Um, if there's one thing that have been consistent, it's being inconsistent really. They dropped 31 against the Giants and then Aaron Rodgers were held to 195 yards through the air, and the Packers only scored 20 points. Um, or le- they scored 20 points or less for the third time in their last five games. Um, yeah, 195 yards against the Redskins. Come on, like, what's going on there? I, I know they ran the ball really well, but it, like, they only scored 20 points. Trubisky had his best game of the of the season last week, and I think a lot of that had to do with his rushing. He's a much better runner of the ball than he is a thrower of the ball. Um, he had 63 rushing yards last week alone after he compiled just 26 yards in the first 12 games of the season. I think if he can move the chains with his feet, um, you know, extend drives, keep keep things going longer and longer, then um, I think the Bears have a chance to cover this game, maybe potentially win it. I'm not sure. I'm not I'm not going chips in on Trubisky or anything like that, but I just think, you know, when he does run the ball, he does, you know, add that element and it kind of opens things up a little bit for them because you need to dedicate a linebacker or a spire there uh, to, to be careful with that. But Packers are 7-0 in their last seven games after and against the spread loss. Um, the Bears are 2-9 straight up in their last 11 at Lambeau. So it's a pass from me. Uh, what are your thoughts, James? You have to go back to week four, 2017, to find the last time that the Bears went two straight weeks without a turnover. Now, they went, a tur- went, went without a turnover last week when they beat the Cowboys. So, And it's rare that this Bears team can win without their defense producing anything, which is testament to the form of Trubisky, which is definitely the best we've seen him look all year by, by a long way. Montgomery looked good, pounding the ball, rookie running back, and Robinson's Robinson's an elite receiver. So all those things come together, and I think, well, plus four and a half against the Packers team, who you know I'm skeptical of as well. I think they're a playoff team, but ten or only two of Green Bay's ten wins this season have been against teams headed for the playoffs. The other eight have been against absolute stiffs. So the Bears, for me, is somewhere in between being a playoff team and a stiff. So. I don't know if they can actually win it, but definitely plus four and a half. I don't mind that at all mm. for the Bears. Yeah, I, I really don't like this matchup just because the the theory behind what these these two teams stand for and the reality of how they play rarely align week to week. Mm. In theory, the Packers at ten and three at home, they should be far too good for a Chicago Bears unit that's really is is average. They're they're, they're very pedestrian. The seven six, um, but. We know how good the, the the Bears can be defensively. And Josh, as you said earlier, Trubisky and, and the Chicago offense has picked up the last couple of weeks, and he's proven a much more dynamic runner than, than he's shown earlier in the season. Uh, and we know that the Packers are susceptible to the run. Their three losses this year have come at the hands of the Eagles, the Chargers, and the Niners, who all like to run the ball and, and scored the bulk of their points on the ground. This game is a, is a pass for me, but I'd, I'd have a small lean to the Bears, if this comes out to the plus five or higher, which it might at Lambeau, knowing that kind of the trends of, of betters in Packers games at Lambeau, that might come out, in which case I might have a little play on the Bears at, at the plus. Yeah, okay. Kind of a funny game for the Packers. They they need to kind of get a good, as James said, they need to get a good win on the board just to 
And this wouldn't be it. And, 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 this, and, this, and this wouldn't be it. That's the thing. So yeah. they, they have to get a linger all year with them. Yep. Uh, Denver at Kansas City. Uh, Kansas City, 10-point favorites at home. Total is 46 and a half. Could the Broncos finally have a future at quarterback? Could Big Cock Lock be it? I don't, <laughs> I don't know. Um, it's too early to call, but, uh, Lock made some in- massive improvements on his pro debut. Um, so his second game was last week. Massive improvements. Um, his first game, he had a great first quarter and then he kind of just hung in the gabbit zone with check downs and dump offs. Um, but then last, last week he threw down the field with confidence. It was a really great fun game to watch actually. Um, Especially against the Texans. Um, yeah, but I think you'll have a much tougher time here uh, against an underrated Kansas City defense. The Texans' defense is horrendous. They're, they're, they're awful, 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 which kind of makes the Patriots look even worse now given how much they struggled. But the Chiefs are one of the worst passing defenses in the NFL last year, but they find themselves sixth in DVOA this year at it. So they don't have to rely on Mahomes every week, which is quite a scary prospect heading into the playoffs if you're another AFC team, is that... The Chiefs are rounding out nicely into this more complete team that we've seen um, from last year. But the Broncos, they, they they have strong starts. It's become a trend for them lately. They've held a halftime lead in five of their last six games and eight of their last ten. Um, they're also playing really hard down the stretch for their first-year head coach, Vic Fangio. They've covered five of their last six outings and have allowed 20 points or less in four of those games. Um, there's also some doubt, not doubt, but there's there was some injury concerns about Pat Mahomes' hand. Um, for me, that's a pass. Maybe my long shot might be like a halftime, full-time double here. Bron- Broncos lead a halftime. The Chiefs to come on home mm. um, in the second half. I think you can get like seven or eight bucks there. Um, that might be a little specky play instead rather than taking anything in the line or total in this game. Because I'm a little bit unsure about Mahomes' hand, but I really like the way the Chiefs are. But I also really like the way that Broncos are playing hard despite being you know, one of the teams that are out of running, but they're still playing hard for their coach and, and playing hard and putting some impressive... They've got some good, young, impressive players. Yeah, James, you and I talked about Drew Locke a bit during the week uh, in the office here. Kind of mentioned that he, he he seems to be a little bit underrated at the moment just because it's taken him a while to, to kind of get in the game. But he was a really highly coveted quarterback out of Missouri. Um, over four years in, in college, he had over 12,000 passing yards, 99 touchdowns in the air. So it, it's not really surprised that he... He's showing that he can throw the ball down the field, you know, at, at a high level. Josh, as you said, you know, that, that first quarter in his first game, uh, they kind of gave him the confidence to, to throw the ball when they had a, a big lead at quarter time and early in the second quarter. Uh, they kind of reined it back and, and I think he struggled playing a, a much more conservative type of offensive game. But last week he really showed what he can do over, over four quarters and, and props to, to Rich Scangarello, the, the Broncos offensive coordinator for, for calling plays to, to lock strengths. Uh, I, I really think that he can have a pretty good career in the NFL. This game has a potential to be a, a bit of a wake-up call, though. As, as you said, the Chiefs are quietly very good against the pass and, and much improved from last season. They're sixth in DVOA uh, against the passing offense. Um, I think I think the Chiefs win, especially at Arrowhead. I think they're the better team. Ten points is a bit too much for me, um, so I'm going to pass. But what do you reckon, James? Yeah, and just on Drew, Drew Lock, they weren't hollow numbers at Mizzou. That's that's in that's that was in the SEC as well. So, and for a long time during that year, I think particularly in his junior year, he was said to be a top five, top five pick mm-hmm. the whole way through. And I think his senior year was down on production, which probably threw him out a bit. But yeah, really, really highly covered a quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, this game really hard one to pick. 
Broncos D, as we said, has really stepped up as to his lock, obviously to get them home last week. And they remain ATS gladiators. I think they're about eight and five on the season against the spread. Then again, KC really around the uniform quite quietly as well. Three game win streak, just one game off a two seed in the AFC. Thanks to that win over the uh, Patriots. But yeah, I think the numbers were on the line there, that 10. So pass for me. Okay. Let's move on to. Uh, Houston at Tennessee, they're going to play each other twice over the next three weeks, which will ultimately decide uh, the, uh, the the division, really. But Tennessee are going to be three-point favorites at home here. The total is 50. Um, look, I lean Tennessee minus three. The Texans stink. Um, if you've listened, uh, if you're listening right now, you haven't found an old episode. This is a new episode. I'm just repeating the same thing um, every single week. But uh, this is a, more of an overplay. I love the overspot here. Um, this is a classic overspot for me. Um, the improve the uh, both teams are in the bottom third of the league in DVOA passing defense. Tennessee at twenty third, Houston at twenty seventh. Both teams are the top ten in passing offense, sitting ninth and tenth, respectively. So both teams top ten passing the ball, bottom ten in defending it. So it just seems like a classic overs play for me. Um, and the, the part of the reason is is this improved play from the quarterback position. So the Titans' offensive DVOA was minus eighteen percent, twenty ninth in weeks one to six with Mariota, um, and they're sitting at 27.8%, second behind the Ravens since week seven in terms of the splits with and without Mariota. So you're, look, you're looking at a very highly explosive offense, second to Baltimore since that is a genuinely That's a genuinely incredible stat, that yeah. one. And I, I, there's going to be some regression from Tannehill. We know it's coming. Like, he can't keep playing this good. But even if you're talking like a 10% regression, you're still talking about a top 10 offense anyway. Um, he, he can't be playing like this. I think he's locked up comeback player of the year. I don't know what he's technically come back from. Um, but I just think if he keeps playing like this and leads the Titans to the playoffs, then I think it's pretty much a done deal at this point. I don't know if there's any markets or prices out there, but, um, he should be favorite probably. But yeah, it's not even just him that's playing well. I think his passing has also opened up a lot in the rushing as well. So the Titans rushing DVOA has gone up from minus 17.8%, 26 with Mariota to 14.8%. Again, second behind Baltimore with Tannehill. So just seems to all click into gear with Tannehill. So credit to him and credit to Arthur Smith, um, the, the Titans offensive coordinator. But this is going to be a shootout. Yeah, this, this is what I was alluding to earlier about the uh, the apology. I'm waiting for the apology, a, a proper apology to Ryan Tannehill, Josh, because you were, you were pretty scathing on him oh, earlier on. Oh, I just, everyone, like, everyone anointed him too quick. It was like, well, everyone, think, like I, after two games, they're like, oh, my God, Ryan Tannehill's great. And I'm like, whoa, well, settle down. We've seen this before, but... Now it's like six, seven-week sample size. I'm, I'm taking it. But there is going to be a regression. He can't well, keep playing we, this I th- good. I think we sometimes forget that, that he was a really talented quarterback before he got injured. Um, you know, he was a, a How many playoff games first, has he been in? Round, <laughs> Come he's, on. he's played on a, at a rubbish franchise. I know. I know. Uh, <laughs> but look, he, he, was, he was a first-round draft pick. He, yeah. at one stage he was a wide receiver in college. Pick. It's crazy. Top, top 10 draft pick. Top yep. 10, that's right. Um, before he did that knee, he was, he was one of the MVP favorites coming into that season and passing leader favorites. And, and we were all talking about his arm and the power and the accuracy and, and what he can do on the ground. Cause he's, for a, a guy who's really quite then agile. Then he laid an egg for two years. Well, he did, but yeah. he also got really badly injured. I know. So, but I, I just um, didn't see this. I didn't see this level of play. Like, I mean, if he played like this for, if he played like this since week one, would we talk, we'd be looking at a potential MVP candidate behind Lamar Jackson. Absolutely. And, and it's crazy. Look, I, I'm not saying that I saw this coming because no. I didn't certainly. I don't I think anyone did. Coming. Anyone well, that did is lying. He's on a million dollars a year. I mean, that's yeah. probably he's, speaks he's, to. He's the, just earned himself about thirty mil in, in I franchise. Think, back, I at think least. they'd already did the extension as well. Oh, they're, they're in talks apparently. So okay, 
I mean, but, cash in I mean, now before the regression comes, Tenny. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think it also talks to, to Derek Henry again, and I've mm. been banging on about Derek Henry for a number of weeks now and, and what he does towards the, the end of seasons compared to the, the first half. Um, I mean, you talked about but you know weeks one to six. Um, Derek Henry averaged 69 yards per game. He only had one game of 100-plus yards, and that was of 100 exactly. Uh, he had four touchdowns in those in those six weeks. Since week seven, he's averaging 118 yards per game, four straight games of over 100 rushing yards, and some of those are like 150, 180 rushing yards with nine touchdowns on the ground. He, he is having a phenomenal season, and most of it's come in the last kind of seven weeks. Hmm. Um, I, I really like the overs here too. Like, like you said, both defenses get shredded through the air. Uh, if you're keen on the big score, go and get this before that line, that, that total line goes out to, to 51 or more. That's a key number, 51. It is, yep. It's a, it's a massive number in, in NFL totals. So if, if you like it to be high score and get it before it hits 51. Yep. It, it just, uh, I, I don't actually have the stats in front of me in terms of, but I did hear along the lines of Tannehill operating out of pass action, play action this year is something like 90% accuracy and most of the touchdowns have come out of that. So, to be able to affect, we've spoken about this before as well. To, to to be able to operate and execute play action effectively opens up so much for your offense. Mm. And obviously, that was something like whether it was they didn't fear Mariota doing that, which is odd because of his mobility. Because technically, I mean, Tannehill's like six foot five; he's a big guy. Yeah. It, it shouldn't speak to him being such a threat on the ground. But and as you said. All of that opens up for Derrick Henry as well, which is amazing. Tennessee, if they were to win that division, guys would probably get the number four seed and potentially host Buffalo in the, in the wild card game, bringing up memories of the Music City Miracle, <laughs> which for me is one of my earliest NFL memories. Um, yep. I, I remember it like it was yesterday. That's <laughs> uh, saying a lot. Well, what was probably what nineteen ninety seven, nineteen ninety eight. I was seven um, years old. I was thirty two. <laughs> <at this stage. laughs> I feel like it, to be yeah. honest, at times. Yeah. But um, no, really happy with Tennessee in the direction they're going. And I would have probably even done what we were talking about before the sale or hold. I'd probably double down at that Tennessee at twenty one and take a little bit more. Oh, wow. To be honest, here, here he is. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 <laughs> nah, no. no. Nah. Just, I, I, just, I just, I just think I, I'm not. I'm not saying they'll win it, but they really. Nah. The kind of team that's built, and from a market perspective, this they they kind of defy the market yeah. because this is not a sexy team. There's no. nothing sexy about Tennessee at all, oh. and it's easy to just dismiss them and forget about who they are and what kind of threat they pose. When it's really, it's a really well built team. Kevin Clark of the Ringer was saying this week that um, the Tennessee GM, former Patriots guy, yep. um, should be linked for front office executive of the year. And mm. you know, the way he's built that team, there, there could be an argument for that. Yep. But it's an AFC South showdown, and I'm contractually obliged to not get involved yeah. in such a game. Uh, and, and if they if they do win, then that that 21 after being 40 a week ago, that 21 probably comes down to 15. Yep, 40. could even go lower. Yeah. Look, look oh, at yeah, the teams well, that could go on a run. It wouldn't shock you. Yeah. yeah, it'd be about eleven or thirteen if they yeah. win this week yeah. and get yeah. control of the AFC South. Um, oh, and just by the way, on on that comeback player of the year, I reckon Dalvin Cook might have an argument. Okay, about all right, that's being, fair. being locked up with Tannehill anyway, but that's a fair call. So, yeah. um, and just on them not being sexy, I mean Ryan Tannehill, it's a good looking rooster. I mean, yeah, just, and his wife. Well, no, well, this is what I was going to say. I, I I I didn't want to touch it before, but yeah. Tannehill stunk something up with me earlier in his career. Correct me if I'm wrong, but a large amount of assault weapons were found in his car. Nah, I don't know and if that's he, right. 
Guys, Google this up uh, when you get a chance at home on the Googling machines. Yeah, really, it was Tannehill's car and there were about seven rifles in the back seat. And that, that and it was one of those situations, oh, no, it's fine to have them. They're just six of them. Oh, was his, them wife. Yeah. his wife. Yeah, was right. His wife yeah. left an AR-15 rifle in the back seat. Yeah, yeah well, just mate. since that incident. The no wonder he comes out all guns blazing. Jeez. Yeah, just a really sort I of, I feel yeah. like his hit on Maurice Hurst outdoes all of that. I mean, he, that tackle he laid out on a fort, like 300-pound <laughs> defensive lineman was textbook. I mean, that was... <sighs> That was a thing of beauty. Anyway, yeah, let's move on. weapons in the back seat of your car. Yeah. God. I mean, where else are you going to put them? In the front? Come on, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, Miami, no. at, Miami at the New York Giants. Giants minus three and a half. Total's 46 and a half. We will not spend more than two minutes on this game. All I'll say is this. Eli Manning's career record is 116 wins, 117 losses, zero draws. A win here would have him at exactly .500 for when Daniel Jones returns from injury, potentially. Um, I'm not sure what Eli's plans are next season, but he should retire. But it would be very poetic for Eli Manning to retire on the exact definition of mediocrity. Um, that's my only thought on this game. So um, Giants by three, because I kind of like Miami plus three and a half, but I'm going to pull out. I think this this hinges on Devontae Parker. I mean, he missed the second half of last week, and it showed for Miami. If he plays Miami plus three and a half, if he doesn't, then no, not touching yep. it. Guys, gun to head. Gentlemen, Shermer, they back next year. Uh, is this Tannehill's gun? <laughs> um, <laughs> this is a pretend pl- water gun, water pistol. Yeah, no, I think Gettleman stays and Riverboat okay. Ron rekindles that relationship. That's, that was okay. my thought. Yeah, yeah, good call. Like it. Yep. Um, although, you know, Riverboat Ron, just up in New York where the uh, rivers no, are flowing. So. I actually hadn't heard that, and it, that does make sense. Yep. Uh, Tampa Bay minus three and a half at Detroit. Totals 47 and a half. This is a pass for me, but my numbers really, really like Detroit. And I touched on this at the start. As I said earlier, I find it really hard to judge motivation of these teams um, out of contention and what they want for the last few weeks. Um, but like Tampa Bay last week, it's, I, don't, I still don't know how to judge these wins. But since 1940, teams with three wins, 618 losses and one draw. So .006 when they allowed 35 points, turned the ball over four times, had zero and one, had between zero and one takeaways. Um, and Tampa Bay won doing those things against the Colts in Week 14. Jameis had his most Jameis game of all time. He had 457 yards, four touchdowns, three interceptions, including two pick sixes. Um, I, I don't know whether that I should be impressed with that win or say, wow, like they were really lucky to get that win. Like To win despite all of that, you have to play good at some point. But then at the same time, you're doing all that to put yourself in this hole. So I honestly have no idea where to rank Tampa Bay. I go on Football Outsiders, you know where they ranked? Smack bang. League average, 16. So what do you do with Tampa Bay? What do you do with their motivation? Is Jameis trying to win himself a job next year or keep his job with with his play the last few weeks? I know David Blau will be trying to impress and, and get a backup spot. I don't know. Detroit kind of look good at home, plus three and a half, but I, I just I just don't know. Yeah, it's, it's a really tough one. Jameis, Jameis Winston is, is a strange one because he's – Quietly, he's on pace for 5,000 passing yards yeah. this season, but he's also on pace for the first 30-30 season in NFL history. I hope he gets 30. there. I really don't. Oh, me too. 30 touchdowns. <laughs> and 30 be the best ever. I want him to lead the league in touchdowns, passing yards, and interceptions. That's what I want him to do. It would be incredible. He's, yeah. he's got 26 touchdowns at the moment. He's got 23 interceptions. It's not out of the realm of possibility that, he can, that it'll hit you know six or seven more interceptions in, in the next couple of weeks. Uh it, it's quite incredible. I can only imagine what what he could do at a, a team with a good offensive line. Like, imagine 
Josh, you must have had this thought occasionally, but imagine him at, at Indy um, with, with a good offensive line and, and some you know, I, deep I, I, yeah. receivers. I don't he's know whether he's poison or good. I like I keep change, I change my mind on him because he, he makes some really great throws that I'd, I'd like to see more quarterbacks take a chance on. Then he also makes a, a lot of throws that I don't want to see. Um, I, the, I think the closest he's... thing I come to is Jay Cutler, and I think for years I loved Jay Cutler, and then I had years where I soured on Jay Cutler. Uh, I think Jay Cutler was even a bit more conservative. I think James yeah. Winston trusts oh, he's so reckless. his ability yeah. and just has the balls to do what he thinks is right. Yeah. Um, he's and, one of those guys that if you're driving in traffic, if there's a tiniest gap between a car, he'll put his blinker on and hit it, you know? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I kind of I kind of see him as a poor man's Aaron Rodgers, right? Like, yep. he's, he's, I'm not saying he's elite like Aaron Rodgers, but yep. put him in a good team, in a good situation, and he could have some really big seasons. Yeah, it's just hard to... But it's, it's a pass for me. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, all this talk about James Winston and Tampa, and we we haven't mentioned Bruce Arians, who I think he's made all of this possible. Whatever this is, and we're still unsure of what this is. What is, is it? Yeah. <laughs> but w- w- what it is, is Bruce Arians has, which I really love him about, he pushes those chips into the center of the table. He wants, a, if nothing else, he's not going to die wondering. So he lets his offensive weapons be themselves, express themselves. He's got a lot of success in the NFL, Bruce Aarons, by doing this. So we keep wondering about this, about Winston's capabilities, and he's a gunslinger. And that may work out. Maybe Tampa improve that defense another step next year, which they're already a top 10 or 11 unit. Uh, they get a stronger offensive line or another weapon on offense or whatever it is. I, I, I just have faith in Arians and Tampa have done so much wrong this decade. This was one thing they've done right. And I think the win loss record speaks to that as well. Another thing, Josh, your numbers have liked Detroit all year. Am I wrong by saying that? Oh, I, I, really, I always love them as a home dog. I just, they always seem to just, as a home dog, they always seem to be there. And, and for a while there, they'll, Remember in the first six weeks of the year, they're actually like a lot better than their record. I mean, they blew they that were, game in week one against the Cardinals, but they were at one stage undefeated through the first four weeks of the season, and that was with Stafford. But it's hard to it's hard for me to rate, I mean, the drop-off from Stafford to Driscoll. Like, it took two weeks for my numbers to kind of catch up, and then Driscoll went out, so then it's hard for me to properly evaluate Blau because my numbers are based on player ratings and stuff, so that's where my... Yeah, it's my first season using these numbers, so I need to like refine it. And next year, hopefully, it'll be a little bit better. But I feel like Detroit have been a have been an okay bet, um, at least well, with Jeff Driscoll and Matt I do Stafford. I you saying a couple of weeks ago that you were off the lines completely. Yeah, I am, but not again this season. But no Mike Evans for Tampa now as well. So I don't, I don't know. Well, when your numbers are refined next year for Josh, uh, Josh. Yep. Patricia might not be there at Detroit to yep. enjoy the, the, the spike because really the, Detroit have absolutely gone backwards under this guy. This is going to be the second consecutive uh, double-digit loss season when they actually finally started to find relevance as a franchise, qualified for the playoffs a couple of times um, under Caldwell, and they just seem to be back into no man's land. They're a million miles off being in contention mm. within the division, a million miles off the conference. I don't know what the Lions are doing. They're back to the bad old Lions for me, but yeah, it is a pass. Yep. Okay, on to the next game. New England minus 10 at Cincinnati. Total is 40 and a half with a 10-point favorite. Very interesting. Uh, I'm going Pats minus 10 here because I, they know exactly what the Bengals are going to do. Cheat to win, baby. <laughs> Cheat to win. Um, they'll know exactly what the Bengals are going to throw at them, and they'll win this game. Um, but in all seriousness, Andy Dalton, look, he, he may not have much longer as a starting quarterback in Cincinnati. He's clearly going to be out. Um, Joe Burrow will be sh- slot right in there. 
But he's not. He's a lot better than Ryan Finley. Cincinnati's offensive DVA was minus 33.4% in the game started by Finley compared to minus 116 in the game started by Dalton. Who is, they've both been missing AJ Green as well for the entire season. So, you know, I know Cincinnati are bad, but it's it's a lot worse when you look at their numbers because a big chunk of that was the Finley stink in the middle of their season. So um, they'll offer a little bit more, but since he had five trips to the red zone versus the Browns and couldn't finish drives with touchdowns or points. So it's going to be much tougher here against a New England defense that's really, really good in the red zone. Um, even when they weren't a great, you know, elite defense like we're seeing now, they're always a bend, not break defense, holding teams to field goals. And uh, and that's how they win games. So I'm going to take the Pats minus 10. Um, I still think they can cover this number, even if um, Tom Brady continues to uh, uh, Thanos away, just fade to dust. Um, I think the Pats should start Jarrett Stidham in this game just to see what they have there, just quietly. But anyway, mm. James, next, what are, you, what are your thoughts? <laughs> My thoughts is Tom Brady would not want to have any of that no. at all, knowing him. Who cares? Who cares um, what he thinks? Yeah. Well... <laughs> you, you, you go and call Belichick and yeah, have will. to deal with him. Okay. <laughs> My thing is a, is, a, is a public plea to, to gamblers out there to not overthink this one, okay? Pats are going to win this and they're going to win by a mile. Let's not forget how devastatingly good this Patriots D still is. It's, it's the number one D in DVOA. It's 33 turnovers on the season. And let's not also forget how dreadful A, this Cincinnati team is. They're 1-12 when we looked last. And it's a dreadful offense, whoever's quarterbacking it. They scored 17 or less in nine of their 13 games, which is the absolute max they're going to score here. Pats, when they were beating those awful teams early in the season, they were routinely putting up 30-plus. No, they weren't blowing us away with any kind of offensive innovation, but they were still getting the score on the board. They are going to destroy Cincy here. They can't continue to be in this slump. They know they've got bigger fish to fry as we get closer to the playoffs. I, I, we've seen situations like this before. This is uh, this is still an elite team, at least from the defensive point of view, and since they're dreadful, they're going to win by heaps. So, James, I'm going to take your punters, don't overthink this, and raise it with a complete <laughs> overthink. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I, I can imagine two scenarios. Scenario A is that New England get their butts in a gear on, on the training track this week. Brady throws for 300-plus, got Edelman, White, Dorsett, Watson, and four touchdowns in a return to form like Drew Brees last week. Uh, en route to a dominant January and Super Bowl favoritism again come playoff time. And, and scenario B is that the Bengals win, a la the upset December Patriot defense that, that defeats that, that we've come uh, to, to, to recognize over the last few years en route to a Patriots dominant January and playoff run. I, I'm not ready to write the Pats off just yet. Their, their three losses have, have come to very good offensive franchises with mobile, agile quarterbacks. Cincinnati obviously don't have that. Hey, but the, the, the 10-point line... <laughs> <laughs> this 10-point this line for a team that offensively have not been very good at all uh, is just suddenly is just too much for me to play with at this point, and so I'm going to pass. But, but, but that's my argument. You probably don't have to worry about the Patriots' offense here because they might pitch a shutout, the pass that, against, against Cincinnati. Yeah. They only need 10 points to cover. <laughs> that's, you know what I mean? I, yeah, that's that's where I'm coming from, yep. just in terms of our love for the Pats D. It's either, uh, but, it's either take the Pats minus 10 or the Bengals money line based off uh, your scenarios, Nick. Pretty much. Yep. Pretty much. But, or, also, or, <laughs> or scenario C, 
Just don't touch it. Yeah. But but Nick as well, just back to Nick, when you had scenario A, which was a cool scenario, <laughs> Edelman, White, Dorsett, Watson, it doesn't blow you away. Edelman, yes, legend, obviously, but God, this Patriots offensive weapon core is is nothing to write home about. <laughs> 150 plus yards for Edelman, 850. Just yeah. something to monitor. Just... I'm versing and, him and in the fantasy and league strength, against strength my arch nemesis. No, He's no, going to go and, for 150. And, and guys, I don't mind that at all because I yeah. think it's going to get to the point where Brady is going to absolutely throw the toys out of the 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 the, the cot and just say. It's all Edelman because he's already sort of pissed off with the rest of the franchise that they haven't bought him weapons. He wanted Brown, you know. I'm sure he he, he lobbied for Sanu. They're all letting him down. The only guy he can rely on is his Super Bowl MVP. Yeah, I do find it funny that he's throwing his toys out of the cot this year because he's playing terribly. But um, when he was playing good in this system with no names, um, he was saying, oh, "I can win with anyone." You can't have it both <laughs> ways. You, you, you can't, mate. Like, I just we, love we how he say, tries to bend the narrative in his favor every time. We're going to get a time. reasonable conversation regarding Tom Brady with the Colts fanatic, <laughs> yeah. and who's still burnt by Come the Peyton Manning years. Yeah, fine. <laughs> if I ever see Mike Vanderjet, I'm going to hit him with my car. Uh, <laughs> so does Peyton Manning. Yeah, yeah I mean, he definitely yeah. will. Yeah, me and Peyton together. Let's go, baby. Yeah. Um, Peyton, yeah. What are they? Peyton and Josh's places. Yeah, that's it. Riveting, yeah. riveting viewing. A morgue and a cemetery. That's where we'll go. Um, all right. <laughs> By the way, the Red Rifle is also the name of uh, uh, Ryan Tannehill's rifle in the back seat of his wife's car. So. And, guys, and guys, Tannehill's wife. Weirdly <laughs> enough, weirdly enough, uh, Dalton and Tannehill both went to Texas Tech. There you go. Oh no, TCU actually. Sorry, yeah. take that back. There we go. Uh, all right, Philadelphia minus four and a half at Washington. The total is forty. I have one question for you, uh, Nick. Are we sure Carson Wentz is good? Yeah, here we go. No, nah, look, go. he did he did have a clutch drive, but man, for a lot of that game, it was a punish to watch. I mean, he he is. I love him because he moves so well in the pocket. There was a play where he ducked under a guy and stepped down another guy, and then he sails the pass over someone's head by like three or four yards. After he does so much of that pocket movement, that's just glorious. And Aaron Rodgers and Andrew Luck like, and then he does that, and it's oh, it, it's so annoying because it's so good and then it's so bad. Um, he just doesn't seem to be settled. Um, but even with that above question, I'm still taking Philly here, minus four and a half. Haskins is taking sacks at a crazy high rate. It's it's so high. 14%, which is double the league average. He's playing against a Philly defense that's fifth in sack percentage over the last month. Does not bode well for him. Darius Geis is out. The Redskins literally going to have a one-cut or one-dimensional rushing attack with AP against the top 10 rushing defense in Philly. The way to attack Philly is through the air. I don't know if Haskins and the Redskins can do that as good as uh, F1 is. Terry McLaren, um, I uh, don't I don't see it coming. So I think I keep coming back to this. Philly are just too good of a roster to to not get this right. Their roster is still like I know they I know they've got injuries and things, but they're still such a much better roster. That roster should not be losing to the Dolphins. Like I'm sorry, like it's just too good to not. They need to get it right sooner or later. I think this is the game they get it right and cover the spread. Um, I've been saying that for six weeks, so I'm just going to keep writing it and then eventually claim the win. <laughs> Honest question: Would you take him at Indy? Oh, of course, of course, but, absolutely. But I, I mean, like, I picked Wentz to win MVP this year, and I'm like, well, you know, people are still overrating him a little bit. I think we just need to, including myself, temper expectations a little bit. Maybe I've gone a bit too far, um, but I just he has. It's not been a good year for him. I'll, I'll say that it, it hasn't. It hasn't. But he's also been been hamstrung by a lot of other factors with the franchise. Yeah, I mean, but early on in the did, season, it like was a lot said, of weapon-related issues and, and, and pass catchings and drops and all sorts of stuff. And it's, I mean, it's even more so now when you look at the players that he's got available. And, yep. But regardless, he, he had two, two clutch drives last week, an 85-yard 
game time drive with two minutes to go in regular time and then a 75 yard game winning drive in overtime. Uh, and look, it's yep. the Giants, I know. Yep. But his weapons in, in that second half was a rookie and a practice squad wide receiver who probably should be playing shooting guard for the Reading Rockets, you know, under 17 <laughs> basketball team. Yep. And, and, and playing in a three tight end set on offense. Yeah. Like, how, how often is that going to happen? It's crazy. But, you know, uh, as, as well as a practice squad, um, running back taking over hmm. because there was just nothing else. Yep. Um, it, it wasn't a pretty win and I know it's the Giants and it, it wasn't much to write home about, but it was, it was a much needed and required win. And I hope that, that it's one of those wins that is, that is that, you know, line in the sand and, and provides a lot of that confidence back with, with the playoff run back in the hands of the players, you know, win out and they make postseason lose and it's out of your hands depending on what Dallas does. And, and there are a lot of question marks about them too. Backs against the wall. Eagles should win this and win well. I'm expecting a really strong Wentz showing. Hopefully they bring out the, the underdog masks and, and use that spirit they played with through the, the 2017 Super Bowl run. Yep. That's what they need but to they're do. Four and that's a half point favorites. Points. They're not underdogs. Well, <laughs> yeah, but they're still, they're still underdogs in week. a lot of people's eyes. Yep. In terms of the NFC East, they're still underdogs yep. because people are still all over Dallas and they probably shouldn't be. Um, massive trust issues for me with both these teams. So an absolute pass, but maybe Philly need a different spirit animal. Maybe. Maybe they need a Minshew <laughs> at quarterback. No. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. Pass from pass from everyone except for me, basically. There we go. Um, all right, Seattle minus six at Carolina. Total is uh, 48 and a half. The Carolina drowning continues without their riverboat, Ron. Uh, Panthers, they need to return to their early season form and feed McCaffrey after being... Near the top of the NFL in rushing yards for most of the seasons, now failed a top 70 yards now in four consecutive games, while also failing to record a touchdown in three of his last four contests as well. Um, and this is their fifth straight loss to the Panthers. They've been outscored 66-27 over their last seven quarters. That's bleak, bleak times. I'm leaning Seattle minus six here just because of the bounce-back factor and, and how bad they were last week, you know, as... Uh, James said atop the show, the Ravens did lose to the Browns and then they've just gone on their complete demolition run after that. So maybe that was kind of the loss some teams need sometimes, just a little kick up the backside to kickstart things. Um, but I, but the minus six comes with some warning. I mean, how many teams have Seattle blown out this year? That's my question. The average point of margin is just uh, one and a half, which is 13th in the NFL, sandwiched between the Chargers who are ahead of them at plus two and 2.9 and the Steelers at plus 1.3. So... It's not a strong margin of victory across the NFL in terms of their points scored and against. Um, definitely think their record's a little bit overrated, but Carolina are like tumbling down. I think they're in the DVOA like ratings uh, sandwich between Jacksonville and the Jets. That's a disgusting sandwich. Yeah, talking about that, the kind of bounce back factor that, that you mentioned. I think uh, Seattle are going to be out for blood. They, they're going to be baying for blood. They are going to be pissed after last week. Um, Panthers are just the team to face at, at, at this moment. Um, I can imagine kind of Pete Carroll spending all week with kind of cheeks blown out, face red, just yelling all week, just yelling. Um, and, and I think they win this, and I think they win this easily. Seattle minus six. I, I'm expecting a big Chris Carson game. Uh, the Panthers are 32nd ranked run defense in the NFL. Rashad Penny out for the season means Carson gets his, his snap count back up. Uh, I think this is going to be a big one for Chris Carson. The danger game to Seattle in terms of a loss and all of a sudden a whole range of things are in danger for Seattle, not just the NFC West and winning the division, but 
even falling out of the playoffs altogether. If they were to lose this, lose next week against Arizona, San Francisco, last game of the year, Rams could leapfrog them and they could absolutely find themselves on the outside looking in come playoffs. So just got to get it done, Seattle here. Um, and thankfully, they're playing a Panther team who is in, as you guys said, absolutely abysmal form. But Panthers can cover. It's only six. So, And as you said, Seattle are addicted to close games. Yep. Uh, just a public apology to Rashad Penny on my behalf, um, just given how bad I was last week. I, I backed him for over one and a half receptions at a dollar ninety, and he tore his ACL after on his first catch. So, um, my apologies to Rashad Penny. Um, that was solely my luck last week. That's, oh, that, that's a bad. They did try day. to get. They did try to get him out there for you, Josh, to get that cover, and yeah, he, he bravely. No. Bravely. <laughs> yeah. Poor Penny. Um, all right, Cleveland, uh, minus two and a half on the road at Arizona. The total is 48. Um, despite having PTSD from my last two Cardinals bets, betting against the Browns this season has been incredibly profitable for me. Um, but I just don't know if I can pick the uh, pick the Cardinals. My, my numbers like the Cardinals again this week. I don't know if it's whether I like the Cardinals or I'm just really cold on the Browns. Their wins haven't been impressive to me. They've been ugly and gross and incredibly lucky. I mean, the, the Bengals had five trips to the red zone and, and just couldn't get over the hump there. Um, so, but remember when the Cardinals were 3-3-1 three, three and one and sneaky hovering around 500? They've been 0-6 straight up since then. They played the 49ers hard twice and got everyone excited about their offense and then they've been in a tailspin every week since that. Kyla Murray's been on the injury report every week and I mentioned that interception he threw before. He just doesn't look right. So this is one where I'm monitoring the injury report. If he keeps, if he's on it like tomorrow and over the weekend, then I'm going to back away. But I think if Kyler Murray's off it and the reports are that he's healthy and, and looking a little bit better, then I'm going to take Arizona plus two and a half here at home. I don't think Cleveland should be favored on the road. I, I just, I just don't know what's going on in Cleveland. There's a lot of noise this week. Baker Mayfield talking about training staff. OBJ apparently wants out. There's just a lot of noise around there. And it's like, I think the offseason can't come quick enough for the Browns. Yeah, I, I want. Nothing in this game, but I am, I'm going back a bit to the Jarvis Landry well. Um, he, he's Baker Mayfield's go-to guy. OBJ is banged up, doesn't want to be there. Regardless, he'll be shattered, shattered by Patrick Peterson. You know, I, I like the six plus receptions, a dollar eighty, dollar eighty-five, depending on, on what you can find, but also a little bit of a nibble. If, if you agree with me and think that this could be a massive Jarvis Landry game, 10 plus reception at 12 bucks is a bit juicy. Maybe a, a little nibble might be worth it. Yeah, it could, might, might be a good play there, Nick. Um, similar, this, this game actually reminds me of, uh, the Colts Bucks game last week in terms of we've got neither team are going to go to the playoffs. So yet they're both in, you know, drastically different form. Cleveland are in season best form. It mightn't be, you know, tantalizingly phenomenal, but they have won four of their last five. Arizona clearly in their worst form. They've created to become the league's 28th ranked defense at the moment. Six game losing streak, as Josh said. Three of those losses by double digits as well. Chubb's in spectacular season form at the moment. I think he's up to 1300 yards on the ground and seven touchdowns. What that's enabled Browns to do is get into the likes of Landry. One day OBJ will wake up as well. We've got, yeah, I, I, I think all those signs point to Cleveland to, to cover and, and, and win this game. Yeah. I don't know if so. it is OBJ's fault. I think it's more Mayfield's fault. I don't know. just seems, I don't know if it is OBJ. I, 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 see, both of those issues, whether it's OBJ or whether it's uh, uh, Baker, yep. what needs to happen is I think the worst thing is that they actually are winning Cleveland. They need to be losing so they can have it, they can justify getting Freddie Kitchens out of there. They need, oh, they he, need an. He's gone regardless. Team. He's gone regardless. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Like, 
They need an adult in there. It's yeah. as simple as that. <laughs> they, they, they really do. Yep. Like, or, or else they're just going to waste another era of 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 of, of, of a good team. Yep. Because you know we've we've discussed before, there's talent there. So whether it's Mike McCarthy or someone like that who's going to come in, that's and, gross. Only in terms of he's worked with yep. with the GM before. Uh, so he's, he's apparently hired a whole heap of scouts and and analytics people to readdress his uh, approach to football this season <laughs> to uh, get him back in in modern relevant uh, relevance. So we'll wait and see if that pans out for him. Um, Jacksonville at Oakland is the next game. Oakland minus six and a half totals, forty five and a half. I don't think we need to spend too much time on this one either. The Raiders have lost three straight by at least 21 points, but if there's one team that's even worse, it's the Jags who have lost five by at least 17, and that's uh, pretty historic. I can't remember the stat, but that's the last time someone's done that. It's a long, long time ago. Um, they have to face the Raiders in what's likely their last ever game in Oakland, and when they thought that was last season, they won um, as two-and-a-half-point underdogs. So I'm taking Oakland minus six-and-a-half here. Um, I just think that... Uh, that narrative, hashtag narrative, is too much. I think Oakland win. What are your thoughts, James? Yeah, GM's gone, Cornwall's gone, coach is gone as well. Doug Moran won't be there next year. Absolute dismal times for Jacksonville. Raiders obviously aren't in great form themselves. They should, should be able to get the jobs. Well, should be able to get all three jobs here, which is winning, which is covering, and which is ruining my under bet for six and a half wins. Just <laughs> given this, which is which has just made me hate these Raiders ever more. Like so. Yeah, it's it's a depressing thought. If they were to lose this game, if the Jacks, Jags were to, to, to get up, uh, Raiders have Chargers and Brown uh, Broncos in the last two. So they might, yeah, there could be a way that I could still get my uh, Raiders bet. <laughs> Clutching that straws. <laughs> I know, <laughs> yep. I know. Jacksonville, come on, <laughs> wake up. Yeah, look, the, the Jags are in disarray, of, of, as you both said. The Raiders are trash, as I've been saying all year, yep. except for a two-week period where I should have kept saying it. Uh, this is a dumpster fire of a game. It's an absolute pass for me. A dumpster fire even... stadium as well. Um, all yeah, right. Min- well, I don't want to watch it. Let alone <laughs> yeah. on it. Minnesota minus two and a half at the Chargers. The total is 44 and a half. Um, some sneaky game of the week for me, this one. Um, yeah, I like the over 44 and a half. The Chargers are coming off their best offensive effort of the year. They put up 45 points against Jacksonville. And Austin Eckler had over 200 combined yards. He averaged 18 yards a touch last week, Austin Eckler. I think he's the best receiving back in football. Uh, Kamara move over. Uh, McCaffrey move over. All aboard Eckler. Um, Melvin Gordon had a touchdown in the fifth straight game with at least 80 yards as well. So they're just, you know, thunder and lightning through these teams. And, um, you know, after that outbreak, Los Angeles is now fifth in passing, ninth in overall offense in the league. Four of Minnesota's last five games have gone over in their last four road games combined. The scores have been 72, 49, 52, and 67. Their defense is a little bit overrated. They're they're a bit leaky um, in the secondary. Uh, Xavier Rhodes, uh, the roads are wide open. Uh, the Vikings offense is 10th in the league in yards per game and 4th in rushing yards. Both teams are capable of going up and down the field. Give me the over 44 and a half. I wasn't going to touch this game. My original note said something along the lines of, no bet in this one. Can't wait to watch it, though. Should be really entertaining. And then I read your notes, Josh, and now I'm on the overs. Yeah. So this one is Let's really go. on your points. Josh, why? And uh, yeah. <laughs> over 44 and a half, I'm on. Yeah. Woo. Let's go. I actually really, really like the uh, the Vikings line at two and a half. I thought it would be more around the five and a half range, to be honest. This is a team that's good playoff in, in mind, maybe even an NFC championship game to prepare for down the track against a team who we don't know what what, what state they're going to be in the offseason. Um We've also spoken previously about how home field advantage means absolutely nothing when it comes to the charges, whether in San Diego or in LA. 
They're six eleven as six and eleven as a home dog since two thousand and twelve. Only four teams have performed worse in that situation. I think last week's pummeling of the Jags has made people forget how actually terrible the Chargers have been this season. So hmm. Uh, LA have committed multiple turnovers in seven of 13 games this season. Vikings have forced multiple turnovers in half of their games as well. Mini was still with heaps to play for, charges with nothing to play for. Vikings for me. Okay, Atlanta at San Fran. San Fran minus 11, total is 46.5. This is a pass for me. It's an absolutely terrible spot for the 49ers. Coming off intense games against the Ravens and the Saints, where they both played great in both. But looking ahead to key divisional matchups against the Rams and Seattle in the next two weeks, um, the Falcons' three outright wins since their bye have come by a combined 63 points. There were a pair of de- defeats, but uh, one came against New Orleans, who we just saw against the 49ers play very, very well. Um, the 49ers have not covered in their last four games against sub-500 foes. So, yeah, the Falcons lost Calvin Ridley and Desmond Trufant to injury, but the 49ers, several key injuries from that game, D. Ford, Weston Rickberg and Richard Sherman will not be playing in this game. Um, I said this at the top of the show. When's the bad 49ers game coming? I think this might be it, but we could see maybe a field goal game here against the Falcons, maybe. But this line could be a little bit inflated. Maybe it should be a little bit more because the Falcons had that massive win over the over the Cardinals. It's a totally different level of competition. Not Cardinals, the Panthers. Um, it's a totally different level of competition, so who knows. But I'm, I'm going to pass on this. I, I don't normally like kind of double-digit lines, but... Yeah, the Niners still have plenty to play for. They're 11-2. A win here would just about guarantee that number one seed in the oh, NFC. Geez, I, I don't know about that. <laughs> they've got the Seahawks week 17, which is yep. obviously, you know, yep. everything comes out of that, that game. But I think they really want that number one seed and they should smash the Falcons at home. Um, if nothing else, just by the pure weight and talent on their defensive unit, regardless of, of, of who's out for all of their offensive power that we talk about week after week in Atlanta, They've got the 20th DVOA offense and the 25th ranked offensive line. Buckner, Bosa, and, and whoever else is there, it doesn't really matter. Could just wipe the floor with this Falcons offense. Uh, even with a couple out, uh, DJ Jones is probably out and, uh, D Ford, as you said. Yep. But just quietly, the Niners offense have kind of hit their straps as well over the last couple of weeks. And, and we talked earlier in the season about wanting to see them play offensive football and want to see more out of Jimmy G. They're averaging 34 points scored over the last seven weeks since since the nine zip win against Washington, which includes a 17 point showing in a loss at Baltimore. So they they know how to put points up, and and I'm banking they're going to do it again. So nine is minus 11 is my play. This this game reminds me of that uh, Ravens Jets game for tomorrow in terms of uh, motivation levels. San Francisco have had a you know heavy slate of really big games recently. 11 points is a lot. Falcons are in decent form and have covered four of their last six games. So, yeah, probably could be able to get under that 11. So, plus 11 Atlanta for me. Ooh, a little head-to-head action there. Mm. Uh, well, uh, that'll be interesting to watch. All right, Rams at Dallas. Uh, Rams are one-point favorite. Total's 49. That line could move any which way over the course of the weekend. So, pretty much at least a pick em at this point. Really, um, is there a unit playing worse over the last month than the Dallas defense? Jeff Driscoll, Mitch Trubisky, Josh Allen all lit them up. Uh, it's it's horrendous how bad the Dallas defense is playing. They now face a Rams team that has suddenly found their 2018 offensive form, and they've racked up two impressive victories in back-to-back weeks to keep their slim playoff hopes alive. 
This could very well be a loser goes home match, unless of course the Eagles drop drop that game to the skins. But uh, I, I don't want anything to do with this game. I, I just Dallas is just such a hard team to judge, and the Rams. I mean, I was so off McVeigh a month ago, but they've really adjusted well and returned to form. Um, kind of making me foolish. That's why I like didn't want to declare Tannehill so good early because so many times you get done by these couple of weeks, and then so much can change in a couple of weeks. So, uh, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, um, yeah, I'm gonna pass on this game. What are you, what are your thoughts, James? We've said this a couple of times uh, throughout the season. It's Sean McVay versus Jason Calvin Garrett, and right there is the mismatch that I think the Rams will be able to exploit. They're in seriously good form at the moment up against the Dallas team, who's in an absolute train wreck at the moment. Shout out to Aaron Donald, who we spruced on this podcast at $10 about two months ago to win Defensive Player of the Year. He's into $3.60 favorite mm. now, and he's very much back to his wrecking ball ways. I think 22 quarterback yeah. hits and 11 sacks on the season. I still like TJ Watt at 10s. I don't know. Your thoughts? Oh, yeah. Happy to put him in the market. Like, yeah. happy to put him in my book. But yeah. Yeah, that, that's that's the beauty of futures. You can yeah. just you can you can build in Play, and play yeah. away. Yeah, absolutely. So, and Rams also alive for that play for a playoff spot and in much better nick than Dallas, and especially on defense. Where if we take out that uh, that uh, Rams game when they gave up what was it forty five to the to the Ravens, they haven't given up more than twenty in in in, in seven other matches. <laughs> Crazy. So when we think think about that, like yeah. for a second. So well, I know we've given a lot of stick to the Rams, but it's not a bad team. Like yep. they're eight and five for a reason. Um, and back in playoff contention, good franchises can withstand, withstand that. And I think the Rams have proven that. Yep. Just shows how good the, the Ravens really are as well. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, you're both right. I mean, a month ago, no one would have been betting against Dallas at home against the Rams who were horribly underperforming. Uh, all of a sudden that script has flipped and mm. the Rams are back on track. The Cowboys perilously close to missing the playoffs altogether. They've lost four of the last five. It's it's a pass for me, but I'm I'm leaning Rams minus one. But yeah, it's a pass. Okay, let's move on to Buffalo at Pittsburgh. Uh, Pittsburgh minus one and a half is the uh, the line. The total is an amazingly high, thirty seven points um, in this game. Uh, Pittsburgh's DVOA this year in games started by Devlin Hodges, which is week six, and then thirteen to fourteen. Is minus twelve point nine percent compared to minus twenty five point seven in games started by Mason Rudolph. So while Devlin still isn't great looking at that number, minus twelve point nine percent, he isn't killing them either. But it's not enough to really scare teams though. He's a fairly limited quarterback with not a lot of downfield ability. The Steelers only really beat the Browns due to some big plays on special teams from Deontay Johnson. He had the return touchdown and then a big return, set them up in good field position to win that game. Um, the card, as I said, the, I've mentioned this pick a couple of times. Kyler just run that game in. We're looking at a totally different narrative on the Steelers and the Cardinals this week. Um, it was just a, such a big turning point in that game. Um, but if you, if you, Willing to self-limit your offensive game plan around Devlin Hodges, a good defense like that in Buffalo will make you pay. I mean, they only scored 23 points against Arizona's defense. I just don't know if if the Steelers are going to have as much success against Buffalo. I know they're a great defense. The elite Steelers defense thrives on turnovers, but Buffalo's done a pretty good job protecting the ball with just three giveaways in their last eight games. Though it's in danger of being a look-ahead spot for the Bills with the Pats coming up, I, I think that their coaching staff's too good. I think McDermott's having a good year, and I think uh, the team will get the win, the outright win here on the road. So I like Buffalo plus one and a half, and I like the, the uh, money line as well. 
Uh, yeah. Uh, Nick, what have you got? Uh, like you said, incredibly low line, and uh, I might regret it based on my uh, my attempts at the the unders last week with, with San Fran and the Saints. Uh, but the, the total's the only market I'm interested in this one. I, I don't know how either team scores points against the other defense. It, it's a clear under 37 for me. I, I, I'm seeing like a, a 7-10, 7-13 kind of hmm. outcome. I, I don't know who's, who's going to be able to score. So it's, yeah, unders for me. I thought this was one of the hardest games to evaluate this this week, so an absolute pass for me. Yep. Uh, Josh Allen finally in prime time, but uh, I like to see him thread a few more passes to uh, just get a little bit more. He's just he's just a running back with the occasional throw. I need to see a little bit more from him, but I think he can do it. Um, we'll, wait, we'll wait and see. Um, another game, the last game, Monday Night Football, Indianapolis at New Orleans. New Orleans minus eight. The total is forty five and a half. Um, I'm just going to go with a total. Um, I'm too depressed to talk about the Colts season. Um, good news is that good news is that Jordan Love de- declared for the NFL draft. Um, so hashtag luck luck to love um, could be a reality show. Luck to love, but uh, yeah, that's where I'm at. But I like the over 46. The Saints offense just lit up a great defense at home. I don't see why they'll slow down against a, a solid, but not a great Colts unit here. Drew Brees looked excellent in that game. I thought that was one of his best games of the season. Um, so I don't think we can worry too much about him and his development. And Brissett actually played pretty well last week. He threw the ball downfield a lot, despite having just absolutely no weapons to throw to. Um, and I think, uh, you know, it was pretty good. But uh, I think that the Colts can put up, you know, 14 to to 20 points, and you know that the uh, Saints will do the rest. So uh, I do think that the Colts, you know, will be able to move the ball. They're number nine in the NFL on third downs, and they're seventh in the NFL in the red zone. Because of Frank Reich's ability to um, to go for it and and uh, to make good calls in analytics and and situations like that that often result in points, both these uh, defenses just gave up 500 plus yards of offense in their last game. So I mean, why not over? Mm. Last week, Josh, you asked for Drew Brees to show you something, um, and he did. Do you reckon he did that? Yeah, I still yeah. want their offense. I still think their offense lacks a clear number two. And mm. like Jared, after Jared Cook went down, it was just everything was to Michael Thomas. Yeah, they need another receiver. Imagine if they traded for Emmanuel Sanders instead of the 49ers. something like that. You know what I mean? Think, like things would be very. different. He was a massive difference maker in that game. Um, yeah. I just think that was a the difference there. But yeah, he 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 played a he played a lot better than his previous six weeks. Drew Brees. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, when I was looking earlier today at the the prop markets, Zach. Pascal wasn't showing up in, in any of those markets, which is a shame because I think, I think it's kind of his, his game this week against a, a Saints passing defense, which does give up yardage, which does give up cap, uh, catches, which does give up touchdowns. Uh, and I think he's going to be the lead man in, in the receiving core for Brissett with T.Y. Hilton out again. Yep. Uh, I, I'm interested to see what they look like when they come out, but given there's nothing yet, um, I'm not a fan of any of the other markets for this game, unfortunately. Pass for me. I really like the Saints here, but just on the Colts, thank God they've got Carolina and Jacksonville in the last two games because I need to middle that bet. Uh, the the over six and a half, under under ten and a half. They need to win seven, eight, nine, or ten games. So they've got a big um, chunk to, to to eat into, and they keep losing. So as Josh would know, yeah. um, I really like Saints, but there's there's nothing much to get excited about with the Colts, and especially from that perspective of maybe being a backdoor cover. offense. Really struggling. I know they put up 35 last week against Tampa. It was a misleading 35 in that they only put two 
and the D came up with four turnovers for them. Uh, New Orleans are scoring in bunches, as we've seen at the moment. I think they should cover here. Cautionary note, Saints are 5-10 and 10 over the last two seasons as an ATS home favourite. Colts 7-4 and four in the same period as a road dog. So if they're just a couple of trends if, if you're not in love with the number. But, yeah, I think uh, Saints can cover that eight easily. Okay, uh, lock of the week time. Um, I do want to mention, uh, it's not going to be our lock, but we all kind of like the under in tomorrow's Thursday night football game. But maybe for a mm. lot of some people mm. that are listening to this, this that game might be over. Um, but I know uh, James, uh, Nick and I both liked it, and James uh, didn't mind it as well. So um, you yeah, could probably throw that into your ranks as well. But uh, to pick something more from the main slate, we're going to go with over 50 uh, points in the Houston-Tennessee game. You could probably play that up to a flat 51. Anything over that, maybe probably step away um, at that point, 51 being that key number there uh, for you. Um, so over 50 is the lock of the week. Um, let's get to our best bets and long shots. And, uh, James, why don't you kick start us? Yeah, like the Pat, really like the Pats uh, that cover their 10-point spread, like New Orleans, over eight, and like Mini to beat the Chargers and cover their two-and-a-half-point line. From a long-top perspective, I backed this one a few weeks ago at $6.50, and I'm really happy to see that there's still a five fifty available out there. Pertains to the NFC West being the Super Bowl champion this year. It means you'd have San Francisco, Seattle, or even the Rams in that bet. I think San Francisco or Seattle ultimately makes the Super Bowl. Um, and on the day, they'd be at best $2.20. So San Fran nearly beat Baltimore in Baltimore. Reckon they'd perform even better against them in Miami. So yeah, $5.50 about the NFC West the Super Bowl. Okay. Nick, uh, what are your thoughts uh, in best bets and long shot? Niners minus 11. I think they're. Way too good for Atlanta at the moment. Uh, as I said, Jarvis Landry, I, I'm, I'm picturing a really big game for him. Six plus receptions, about a dollar eighty, dollar ninety. Uh, Buffalo at Pittsburgh under thirty-seven. I just don't know where those points are going to come from outside of a big offensive defense game. Um, I, yeah, I just don't know where they where they're going to score points. Uh, long shot, as I mentioned earlier, I really think Chris Carson is is set for a big game. 108 plus rushing yards at about $2.73, depending on where you're looking. Uh, and potentially a little nibble on that, that extra line, alternative line on, on Jarvis Landry, 10 plus receptions at 12 bucks is, is a little juicy. Huge. Um, I don't mind it. I don't mind. I'd, I'd probably prefer the 10 plus at 12 rather than the six plus at $1.80. Um, but yeah. Uh, I'll probably, I'll have a bit on both. So. Yeah. Sounds good. Uh, my best bet, Houston, Tennessee <laughs> over 50. Uh, it is the lock of the week, but it's uh, also my best bet this week. Uh, Buffalo plus one and a half. Uh, yeah, keen for keen for Buffalo to to win that uh, game outright as well. So I'll even have a little bit on the money line as well. Um, and then I like the total again in Minnesota and the Chargers, the uh, over forty four and a half. So um, going normally, I like it more the unders. This week I'm, I'm taking overs. Uh, I like over forty four and a half. Uh, my long shot this week, uh, I mentioned it earlier, Broncos halftime, Chiefs full-time double. This is real junky stuff, but I like to play around with the long shots. It's a bit of fun for the show. Um, well, it was a bit of fun until Nick went on like a nine-win nine win streak and I, I started recording them down. It's like, you know, you've only got three long shots and I've got eight. It's like, jeez, come on. Um, but, yeah, I like the Broncos halftime, Chiefs full-time double at 8.50. And uh, I am I haven't looked at it, but I like uh, – I'm going to take a couple of uh, – Players this week to score, um, to, to score. I like Darius Slayton, Edelman, and uh, I think Devontae Adams find the end zone this week. So a couple of uh, touchdown scorers for you guys to look at um, when those prices come up. Anything over 
even money there might be worth it. I think Slayton will be around the $4 mark. Uh, I don't think last week was just an anomaly. I think he's generally a good player. So that's worth noting. Uh, all I, right. uh, I apologize for ruining long shots for you. That's okay. So, no, it's hashtag fine. sorry, not sorry. No, you haven't. You haven't at all. You've made it more fun because it's like I can be a bit more silly because you just keep lobbing them, so everyone's happy either way. Okay, again, Daryl, the mysterious Daryl Data. Um, he's, he's missing. Uh, but uh, how did the model go last week, Nick, uh, as a, the uh, stats inside of uh, representative? Yeah, pretty good. I mean, there wasn't much, as anyone who listened last week would know, there wasn't much, but... Three and zip on uh, on the totals, which was nice. Yep. The Detroit plus thirteen was a push. Uh, Gotta love the Lamb garbage was... time. Goliday touchdown, <laughs> beautiful. Exactly, it saved us. It saved my fantasy team. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no push push on the Detroit game. But three and zip on pod totals got us back on track with the totals. It's historically very good on totals and had a couple of kind of lean weeks before, but yep. uh, back on track last week. Okay, this isn't model related, but just made me think: if you're in a fantasy semi final right now and you've got like a big cash league, right? Would mm-hmm. you hedge in your semifinal? So, like, say I'm playing against a guy that has some weapons. Would you just back their player overs or touchdown markets just <laughs> to hedge, emotionally hedge? Because you still might have a chance um, that you win as well. Um, yeah, and, and it look, could be a double fill-up. Yeah, it, it's something that I've tried in other situations, yeah. AFL Grand Finals, for, yeah. for example. And yeah. it doesn't, when you lose, it just doesn't make you feel better. Even yeah. though you've got some cash, it just doesn't make you feel yeah. better. Yeah, so. no, well, I'm definitely uh, doing that in the league this week because... Uh, yeah, yeah I'm in one. It. I'm in one, and Derek Henry, I think, is going to get me over the line, regardless of of what happens with Devontae Parker, who kind of killed me in one last week. Yep. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, fingers crossed. The uh, the big one that's killing is, and a lot of fantasy owners is Kamara recently. He's just been, hasn't been good. Sa- Saquon Barkley killed me in, in one yeah, league. Yeah, he's hasn't had, been great. I had the number two pick in in one league and, and took Barkley and. Uh, yeah, it, that that was a killer. Yeah, I mean, Kamara's only scored over twenty in terms of PPR three mm. times this season, so yeah, it's not Barkley, good returns. Think, listening to to one of the ESPN pods earlier this morning, and Barkley, I think, is uh, running back thirty six or something since week nine. Yeah, it's not good, it's not crazy. good at I all. Think it's generally, one or two. Yeah, in every draft, crazy. So. Anyway, uh, the model doesn't care about fantasy, or it does because you do have the uh, FI model, but. Uh, let's, <laughs> this model doesn't. I mean, what's the model like, uh, this week in terms of, uh, I know later in the season that the number of plays start to drop off and, and I've spoken to Daryl off air and on air at length about that. Um, but, uh, what, what is it like this week? Yeah, look, it's, it's one of those things, you know, the, the books all sharpen up as you get closer. There's a lot more data. Uh, the books get a lot sharper as you get closer to the playoffs. And, and so in, in our case, where the model's purpose is to, to find those edges, to find the, you know, the things that the bookies might have missed and find a bit of an edge or some value on particular markets is, is not as, uh, is, is not as large in terms of the opportunity to find those edges. So there aren't as many this week. We've really only got three plays on site at the moment. So it'll be worth checking back later on in the weekend, kind mm-hmm. of Sunday night, see what's around. But as we speak right now, uh, best bet currently is Denver plus nine and a half, uh, is a, a 7% orange play. The, the model likes the unders in the the Carolina Seattle game okay. under forty eight. That's a three percent orange play, and a bit of a long shot Denver money line. Uh, there's a seven percent edge on that. Uh, the bookies implied probability is about twenty one percent. Stats Insider the model has them about twenty eight percent likely to win okay. that game. So, so the model likes big cock lock. <laughs> <laughs> there we lots go. Of, 
Yeah, not sure it has. Not sure it has that data. I mean, if it, you put uh, that in there in the notes, the the model would like it even more. I imagine anyone with a nickname like that. Exactly. Uh, I mean, the model good. loves Ryan Fitzpatrick a lot, so they just love these <laughs> cult these cult figures in the NFL. So uh, that's great. Um, all right. Well, that's it. That's it. As we say every week, check out statsinsider.com.au. Check out the model. Check out all the content. James is churning out content. Nick's churning out content. Uh, yeah, and, and and while we're on that, while while he's actually not on the line, uh, I'll, I'll give him a bit of a wrap. He, he's written a really good piece about the the kind of the five main challenges for the for the Super Bowl. Yep. Uh, based around the the Stats Insider model this week, so jump on to statsinsider.com.au and, and check that out. It's, it's a really good read. Perfect. Very good. Statsinsider.com.au. Also check him out on Twitter at Statsinsider, uh, and then you can follow me on Twitter at Wootenwhite as well.